are listening to the Beautiful Life Podcast, where we believe this is no ordinary life, and every day an opportunity to discover more of God's heart, pursue His manifest presence, and make a difference by no ordinary means. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Nigel Desmond. For more information and other resources, visit www.noordinarylife.co.za. Alright, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word in us, to us and through us, Lord God. Right now in the name of Jesus, I release a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, Lord God. That you would take us deeper into your love and your plans and purposes for our, uh, our lives, Lord God. Right now in the name of Jesus, I take authority over every demonic spirit, every spirit of distraction, every mind-blinding spirit that wants to prevent us from seeing the incredible love of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And right now in the name of Jesus, I say you will not distract the people in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're just carrying on on our series, just digging into the whole subject of the love of God. And um, it's so interesting because um, the longer I... And the longer I serve the Lord, the longer I'm a Christian, when I was a young Christian, I often felt like I really needed to come up with complicated, profound intellectual messages. And the longer I serve the Lord, the more I discover that actually the most simplest messages in the gospel are actually the profoundest message. And the, the greatest message of the gospel is the love of God. And so I think it's really significant that the word that the Lord has given us for this year is pursue love. Is that the Lord's calling us to, to pursue love. And I'll be honest, um, this week I've had a lot of, a lot of fun um, just calling my wife my love. Because like, you know, then it just gives me an excuse to pursue her. And um, yeah, it's actually been, been a, a, a lot of fun. I'm like, yes my love. And she's like, mm, what are you up to? What are you up to? And, uh, but being seriously, this, this idea where the Word of God actually says to us, pursue love, is the most amazing revelation. That actually the greatest thing in life, the greatest motive you can have, the greatest goal you can have, is to live a life of love. So turn with me in your Bible to... Um, the book of Ephesians, and we're going to have a look at that. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 19. Going to dig in a bit from, where, uh, from what I shared two weeks ago and what Debbie uh, shared last week. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. 
that I, I must be honest, that last statement has always blown my mind. The idea of being filled up with all the fullness of God. I, I, I mean, it's not just an expression. In, in, in the Word of God, there is this concept that we can walk in such a way that we are bodily carrying the presence of God in such a way that the fullness of God is resting on us. You see that in the book of Acts when the, the disciples walking into Jerusalem one, uh, one day, they literally, they, their shadows are touching people and, they, and people are getting healed. When you think about that for a moment, I mean, there were people on the earth who had a bigger healing ministry. Their shadows had a bigger healing ministry than most of us. That is just amazing. I, of course, I, when I picture that in my mind, I kind of see a bit of a Disney, Disney movie. How, you know, like the, the shadow moves independently of the person and you know, the shadow is just walking past laying hands on people. How, how is that happening? I don't believe it was actually the shadow that was healing people. What I believe was actually happening was shadow just indicated proximity. That they were carrying the presence of the Holy Spirit on them in, so, uh, in such a way that when they got into the proximity of people, so great was the kingdom of God on them and around them that people got healed. These were drive-by healings. I walked by healings. They didn't even know. That people had got healed as they walked by. That is extraordinary. But that is available in the kingdom. And I believe that's, that's one of the things God is wanting us to press on in for. To, to see that I, I, I'm trusting the Lord that the body of Christ can get to the place where literally people driving by churches on a Sunday will get healed. Because so great is the manifested presence on the people of God in certain locations that they get healed. Do you know that this has happened not just in the book of Acts? Um, Carlos Anacondia used to hold these crusades in South America. And uh, he would go in and he would rent, the, uh, rent these auditoriums. And uh, the, uh, the presence of God would come into those auditoriums in such a powerful way. At first, um, things started happening outside of the stadiums that they didn't know how to deal with. Because what would happen was, buses going by, demons on the buses would manifest. And so people, you know, bus drivers started having the awful situation that they would drive past these stadia. And all of a sudden, demons would manifest and people are frothing at the mouth and, you know, like that. Pull it. After a while, the, the team from the Carlos uh, Anaconda um, Crusades, they would go into the city... And they would set up the crusade and everything. And one of the things they would do, they would have bus stop ministers. And then they would go to the bus companies and tell them, this is going to happen. If it happens, not a problem. Pull in at the next bus stop, there will be a team waiting. And so this is what they would do. Demons would manifest or people would start crying out and everything. They would pull in, they would take them off. And give them to the team at the bus stop. The team would pray for them, deliver them of demons, and then the next bus would pick them up and take them to their destination. Come on! 
There is, we see it in scripture, we see it in history. There is this place where God on us and in us can produce things that are unimaginable. Amen? Amen. How, how, how many of you would like, well I want to tell you, for many of you this is already true. When you, when you walk into the room, the atmosphere shifts. How many of you know people like you see them walk in and you know, oh, I just got more fun. There, there are those people in our lives. Let's be honest. They walk in and we, you start smiling immediately. It's like, praise Jesus, joy just arrived. <laughs> I know I'm going to laugh tonight. Well, what if we just start believing for even bigger things? That, you know what, Lord, I'm trusting that every elevator I get into, those people are really... They are in danger of getting saved before we get to the 10th floor. Just by the love of God manifesting. What's that? They'll be uplifted, yeah. And if you're going down, they'll be grounded. They'll be grounded. They'll be delivered, yeah. Good one, Dave. So, but the interesting thing is, you see a couple of verses previous to this thing about being filled up to all the fullness of, uh, of God. It says that so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you being rooted and grounded in love. You see the fullness of God is preceded by the rooted and grounded. You, if you want the fruit you've got to get the root. And the root is the love of God. You see, for many people, one of the reasons why they will struggle to walk in, the, uh, uh, to be filled up to all the fullness of God, is because they've got the wrong root system and they've got the wrong ground. Many people, and I lived my Christian life like this for many years, thought, yeah, you know what, I, I want greater anointing. And this is going to come through performance. I didn't put it in those words, but I, I had, you know, like, okay, you know what we need to do? We need to pray more. We need to pray more. So early in my Christian life, if you came to a prayer meeting led, uh, led by me, and they were very, um, what's the right word? Very, help me, hey? Passionate. Yeah, very passionate prayer meeting. So uh, we would be there pacing the I was a young pastor and I would be like, George, we're at a prayer meeting, buddy. What are you sitting for? Get up, pray. <laughs> well, no, I was, I was a bit nicer. I was a little bit nicer than that. But that was the spirit of it. I would be looking over and like, I'm praying. Because, man, I felt like we were taught to push in prayer. Pray until something happens. Who's heard that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I had this mindset that my prayer, I was kind of like, my prayer was overcoming God's reluctance to do something. And if we got enough of us surrounding God's throne, shundying in his ear, at some point he's going to go, ah, stop it, and hit the big red blessing button and we'd get it. 
we would pray like that. Now, honestly, there's a good side and there's not so good side to that. The good side, obviously, is just the pursuing the Lord, the passion for Jesus, wanting to know Him more, wanting to connect with Him. But the, the, the downside of that was slowly this mentality began to build up in me that this is on me. This is on me. This is, this is on how much I pray, how much, of the word I, uh, uh, how much of the word I know, how much sin I have got out, uh, out of my life. Have I had my quiet time every day this week? And of course, if you did have your quiet time every day this week, you know, Satan's there whispering, say, yeah, but how long was it? 15 minutes. No, sorry. The cutoff mark is 20. <laughs> And you hit the 20 mark and, the, and then you hear about the great revivalists of the past would pray for three hours a day. And I would go, oh Jesus, help me. I have neither the time nor the patience nor the words to pray for three hours every day. <laughs> I remember as a young Christian literally wanting to have an improved prayer life. I remember actually going and praying, decided I was going to pray for an hour, and I got up, prayed for an hour, opened my eyes, and 10 minutes had gone by. And I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm sure that was an hour, and I couldn't think of what I was to pray for after that. I knew I had to fill up my hour, and it just became burdensome. But you see, the problem with that mindset is I. My confidence and my root system is all in me. It's all in me, all in my effort, my revelation, my, um, uh, my prayer, my understanding of the Bible. How often I've gone uh, to church, how long the service was. Did I really worship? Did you really? Did you have your hands up? Did you dance? How long did you dance? Did you do one song or two? <laughs> I'm being facetious for a reason, but... The problem is, is that the root system that produces the fruit of the Spirit is God's love, not our effort. And actually, until you understand the depth of God's love, you not only understand, you see, God is, God's wanting to take you beyond just understanding that you're loved. God wants to take you to a place where you know His love, where you experience His love, where you're constantly receiving His love, so that in any moment, you are positioned to receive His love. You know, the most amazing thing is when that begins to happen in your life, the presence of God rests in you, because, you know, the everything you receive in the kingdom comes through faith. Faith grows when you're in His presence. When you're with Him, and you start experiencing who he is and how he is, then faith grows in you. And you know, even if I haven't had my mind, even if I haven't prayed for an hour this week, he never changed. And I'm still a candidate for breakthrough and miracles to happen around me. Amen? Amen. I, I love... Um, Galatians 5, 22 to 23 speaks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Because it's interesting, we've got this root, that the root is that you may be rooted and uh, grounded 
in love. But then the fruit is love. Joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Many of us live our lives obsessed with the fruit when actually you can't produce the fruit in yourself. What we just need to do is position ourselves that our root system is in His love. It's no good saying to yourself, I need to be more loving. I need to be more joyful. I need to be more peaceful. You ever tried to be more peaceful? Okay. Okay. I'm panicking. I'm panicking. I'm panicking. Okay, I'm going to be peaceful. 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 Peaceful thoughts. Peaceful thoughts. Peaceful thoughts. Stop panicking! It's like... uh, uh, Where is it? Um, At the moment, I'm reading Winnie the Pooh. House, a house at Pooh Corner to Mystery. And uh, yeah, it's, I'm reading it to Mystery. She's loving it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, Mystery, come. We're reading a chapter of Winnie the Pooh. Do we have to? Yes, you're going to love it. But I, I love that moment when Rabbit is freaking out. Rabbit's running around and he's scree- yelling at everyone. Stop panicking! Stop panicking, everybody! Will you stop Panicking! Do you ever have a rabbit moment in your life? Wait, wait, wait. You're looking at yourself and you're trying to be more peaceful and you're yelling at yourself. Stop panicking! You see, the fruit that God wants to produce in our life don't come from you, but they come from the indwelling spirit with, uh, within you. And, and it's not something you can produce on your own. You can no more love without God than you could raise the dead without God. To have the God kind of love in your life is so supernatural. It's, it's as impossible without God as raising the dead. That should give us pause. Now, I'm not saying that people who don't know God... Don't have love because God's so amazing that in our design and in the common grace that He's spread in the world, that we do experience a measure of love. But the incredible thing is, is that there is a level of fullness of the presence of God that is available, that is bigger and greater than anything we've ever known. And so, how do we do it? We do it by pursuing a root system that is grounded in his, lo- in his love. And I'm just going to give you some practical tips, I believe, that will help you in establishing that. The first thing is, if you're going to, to experience God's love, this is a biggie, you've got to be with God. It's like contact really helps. It just really, really helps, you know. I remember when uh, Debbie and I were falling in love. I had this, uh, we had a, a three-month holiday because we, we fell in love here at, uh, at UCT. And I remember after our first year of dating, um, we hit holidays November, yeah? And I went back to Zimbabwe. And uh, back in those days, um, we did not have email or cell phones. I get, I get... No, dinosaurs did not roam the earth tomorrow. <laughs> yes, and, and my letter written on a tablet of stone delivered by a Tyrannosaurus um, 
letters would arrive. I can remember waiting by the mailbox every day, hoping that today would be the day I'd get a letter. And I'd wait and I'd wait, and then like once a week or so, I'd get a letter, and they were often very disturbing letters. Debbie would, you know, Debbie would send me news about Bruce and Frank and Harry and all these these friends of hers that she was going to the beach with. And you know, honestly, I was like, do not want to know about this. You know? And I'd stress. Yeesh. So it was bad. But man, those letters would arrive and I'd take those pages. You see, this is, this is something that this generation won't know the joy of. I'd take those pages and I'd go, <laughs> and I'd smell the page. You know what I'm doing right now? Just hoping. When was the last time you sniffed your computer screen? <laughs> hey? Have you, ever, have you ever been able to smell perfume of an email? You know? <laughs> some, some of you young people look at me like, that is so creepy, Pastor. That is so weird. But man, I tell you what, there was something in that way. Yeah, just a little bit of... Man, you know that... That's, that's, that's her perfume. I can smell that. But after about three months of not being with her, I started getting afraid. Because I hadn't seen her, hadn't been with her. And after about three months, I was like, what if I don't actually like her? What if when I get back to Varsity and I've made all these kind of like grand statements and, and, prom- and promises and implied promises that I love her forever. And what, what happens if, if I see her again at the beginning of term and I look at her and there's just nothing there. And I can remember just getting more and more anxious inside of me. Like, you know, like I was, I was getting panicky. And I can remember on the first day of, uh, of third year, because I met Debbie in, in my second year, her first year, and in the first day, I was sitting in my room and I knew Debbie would come and I heard, ding dong. Nigel Desmond, t- uh, 10, 10, 3, visitor. And I'm, she's coming up. And I'm thinking, what happens if she opens the door? And I'm like, hi. And I'm like, nothing. And she's like really in love with me. And oh, it's going to be so awkward. And then 10 minutes later, the door bursts open. He walks in this cute little number. He walks up to me. She doesn't even say hello. She just gives me a very business. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm really fine. There, there is no problem here. This was not an issue at all. Contact really makes a difference. Contact really makes a difference. You know, for many people, they struggle to love the Lord because they're never with them. They're reading his, they're reading his letters. Maybe they're hoping for a whiff of his aroma, the perfume of the Lord. But they're never with the Lord. And you know, the most amazing thing is, if you will just stop long enough, and, and you know, for, for many people, the beginning of falling in love with Jesus is... Stop all your striving, stop all your trying, stop all your trying to work it out and just say, Jesus, here I am. Would you come and just be with me? And you know the most amazing thing is, is very often he will throw open the door of your heart, wrap his arms around you, guys, I know this is getting awkward, but, and give you 
big life. <laughs> Girls give you biggest kiss. And your feelings are flooding you. You see, love in the kingdom is not just an intellectual idea. Love in the kingdom of God is an experience. One of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel. God with us. That was the whole point. God doesn't want us to live an intellectual relationship with Him. You see, when I was in Zimbabwe, I was kind of having an intellectual uh, relationship with them. I remembered the idea of her. I had a photo of her, just a little photo of her, that, yeah, you know, I would talk to that thing. And they would not talk back to me. I would read her letters and study them and wonder what the the deeper meaning of this word Philip was. <laughs> it caused anxiety in my life. But it's okay, I forgive him. <laughs> but when she walked through that door and I held her in my arms, nothing else mattered. You see, for many of us, this is the beginning of walking in the fullness of God. Because when, when He encounters you with His love, suddenly all your reasons why, oh, maybe this, maybe that, oh, maybe me, the maybe, it all goes away in the fullness of His love and you become open to receiving. Because the most amazing thing is, is like the beginning of walking in great anointing is just receiving. Receiving Him and His love, His presence, not based on your performance and you, uh, your, on you, but based on who He is. So the beginning of falling in love with God is just contact. In Song of Solomon, there's another concept that I just want you to look at. Turn to Song of Solomon chapter 2. And it's interesting because this is a scripture the Lord gave me actually uh, our visitors who arrived um, three weeks ago now after the service they just shared the scripture with me and, and it was interesting because when I shared with Jess later she said oh that's so interesting that's exactly the scripture the Lord was impressing on my heart during the service and I love this it says this my beloved responded to me and uh, responded and said to me arise my darling my beautiful one and come along for behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers have already appeared in the land, the time has arrived for, the, uh, for pruning the vines, and the voice of the turtle dove has been heard in our land. The fig tree has ripened its figs, and the vines are in, blo in blossom have given forth their fragrance. Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come along. O oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the secret place of the steep pathway, let me see your form, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet, for your voice is sweet, and your form is lovely. Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that are ruining the vineyards, while our vineyards are in uh, blossom. My beloved is mine, and I am his. There's massive value in reading through the Song of Solomon, because the Song of Solomon is literally a love story of the bridegroom pursuing the bride. And so there's many different levels in which you can read it, but one of the most obvious is just the relationship of 
Jesus, the bride, pursuing us, his, uh, his bridegroom. And, uh, and this is actually the root system of a healthy Christian life. The root system, what? Did I get it wrong? The bridegroom pursuing the bride. Is that not what is it? Well, we're pursuing him back. We're running in a circle, okay. So, um, the, but one of the things I love about this is, is the language the Lord uses to address us. My darling, my beautiful one. You know, how the Lord calls you in your heart, it's, it's one of the most powerful things when you begin to hear the voice of the Lord. Many, many years ago, um, Debs was going through a difficult time and I was overseas in, in America and um, a guy tapped me on the shoulder in a, in a Bethel service. I'd never met him before. I don't think I've met him ever since. And he said to me, would you mind if I prayed for you? At Bethel, I'm like, yes, absolutely. And it was just the wildest thing because he gave me probably the most accurate prophecy I've ever received in my life. In a short prayer, he managed to have five words of knowledge, including he called out my name. I didn't tell him my name. He called out my name. He uh, got my birthday. You know, he's like uh, 22nd of May, 1969. I mean, like, I was like, you know, and I'm thinking, is this guy been stalking me on Facebook or something? And um, I can't remember. There were like a whole lot of different details that he just went boom, 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 boom. And then he began to literally speak about the secrets of my heart. Um, the things that I was really dreaming for, trusting for, asking God for. And then he was like, thanks, man. And he walked over and I just left like, geez, what, what the heck happened? Bumped into him. That was it. That was it. Yeah. He got Jessica's name and her age. And it was like, you know when you, you go away and you're thinking like, and this was before social media was really a thing. You know, I'm like, how did he know that? And has he, this is just, it, it just kind of freaked me out a bit because I'd never experienced prophetic ministry like that. And he wasn't even wanting to speak. Next day I bumped into him in the coffee shop and I said, hey, listen, my wife didn't come. Would, would you mind praying for her? He said, sure, fine. And we sit down to pray, and again, he does the same thing. But it was interesting the way he started his prayer. I, 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 he started with, what was the, the word of the Lord? The Lord says, Debbie. Yes. So he started because the Lord says, Debbie. And then he, and then and, and he, and he would stop and he'd pause and go, Debbie. And i like, okay, that's, that's get home, play it to Debbie, and she just starts crying. I'm like, well, what's going on? She said, you don't understand. Lately, whenever I go to talk to the Lord, this is how he talks to me. He's been starting everything with Debbie. And then you, Debbie. And she got to the place where she was recognizing the Lord's voice. But she was also thinking, is this just me? But when this guy did this, she recognized the Lord's voice in the prophetic word. You know, there is just such value in being with the Lord and hearing how He speaks to you. Because, you know, there's, there is something in hearing Him call your name. It, it's just completely different. When, when, when the Lord, if the, if the Lord, if I say, Heather, that's one thing. But if I have a prophetic word and I say, Heather, the Lord sees you, 
And so, one of the things to just becoming rooted and grounded in, uh, in, the, in, the, in the love of God is to know that the Lord sees you, He calls you by uh, name, and He loves you. It's recognizing His voice, essentially. The voice of the Lord is the thing that will help you through the darkness. Amen? And, and I want to encourage you to learn to listen for the voice. Be with Him, but listen for His voice. It, it's amazing how, if you do that, you will start seeing, you know, this, it's a weird concept. You will see His voice, and you will hear His voice. So, I'll give you an example. In this passage here, um, just before that guy gave me the, uh, that prophetic word, um, because it says here, the fig tree has ripened its figs. I am rejoicing at the moment in a major miracle in my garden. I went to Kazuma's house about two years ago. And I said to her, she said, I was wanting to go to all kinds of fig trees in my garden. And she said, oh my dad's got fig trees. So I said, oh, bring me back a, a little cutting because I want to have figs in my, uh, in my garden. So she said, sure. And I thought, no, no problem, I couldn't like it. And she comes home with the weirdest thing. I mean, literally, this thing was just about a hexagon. You know, it's, I, I had in my mind a little short, straight piece of fig branch. She bought me the ugliest, weirdest little stick. And I was like, But anyway, I thought I'd give it a shot. I wrapped it in, 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 in uh, moist toilet paper, put it in a plastic packet to, to develop roots, and left it in a dark, warm place in my garage. And I thought for three months, at least. And then one day, I found it in the garage, and I put this packet lighter on the back. I know that there's a fist there. <laughs> Forgot all about that. I wonder if it grew any roots. Open it up, and sure enough, there's a roots. Which I then planted in my garden. I now have a fig tree that's growing like a weed. It's this tall from that funny little set. And lo and behold, it's got its first two figs on it. It had four two weeks ago. It's been windy and hot. And two fiddle. But I have just noticed the figs on this big stick. The day before I got this. So the interesting thing is, is this guy comes up and says, speaks to me about things, and I just notice these things. Sometimes, do you realize that you see the voice of the Lord? That's a long story to the certain point. But there are times when if you are listening for the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, you will see it and not just hear it. And you see, this is part of learning to walk and positioning yourself in the love of the Lord. Because for me, now every time I go past the fig tree, I am feeling God's love for me in that thing that I'm seeing. And this is, 
this is the secret to, to receiving more of His presence, is positioning yourself and grounding yourself in His love. Not just on a day-to-day basis, but on a moment-by-moment basis. Later, later on in this passage, it speaks about, catch for us the foxes. What's that about? What's, what's that about? Catch for us the foxes. Maybe, maybe some of you are thinking, oh, praise the Lord, we don't have foxes in South Africa. Or maybe you're just foxed by this completely. Or oh, I had to do that for Tim. Notice how I had to look over Tim. The reason they say that is because in that time, when, uh, when vines would just start um, budding and shooting, little foxes run through the vineyards and they nibble off the growing tips. And if they nibble off the growing tips, you obviously get nothing growing and you get no grapes that year. So you've got to catch the little foxes before they do that. There are things in our life that'll stop you from stepping in to the fullness of receiving God's love. And obviously, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to go through them quite rapidly. But the first one obviously is sin. When there's sin in our life, it can prevent us from receiving the love of God. You see, what sin does, the Bible tells us, is it separates us from the love of God. And what, what we need to understand is that when that sin gets into our life, what, it's actually, what sin actually does, it blocks your view of the love of God. The love of God does not change. God doesn't change in how He feels about you. God's not mad at you. See, I used to feel like that. I used to be like, oh man, <laughs> I've sinned. I've blown it. God's mad at me. I'm just going to hide for a little while until He's cooled off. That's probably coming out of my childhood. I'd wait for my parents to calm down before I went back to them. God's not like that. He continues His position towards you in love. And not only that, but the death of Jesus at the cross has dealt with the sin. But what sin can do is it blinds you to His true character. Which is one of the reasons why we need to, when we've got sin in our lives, when we've blown it, we need to run to the Lord immediately and ask Him to take it and to repent. You see, God is not there going, I'm so mad at you. He's like, come to me. I love you. It's going to be okay. We're going to work through this. We can sort this out. The second one is related to it. And that's condemnation. I am... I, I don't know if any of you have ever had a problem with condemnation. I, probably none of you have ever struggled with the feeling of unworthiness and uh, condemnation. But I, I, I believe it or not, have that struggle. Oh, I know. I remember, you see, what con- condemnation is, is, is it's that feeling that you need to punish yourself for your own sin. Now, I'll give you an illustration of my life. My, my biggest picture of condemnation in my life was when I was seven. I was, when I was seven, I went to boarding school for the first time. And I remember being in, uh, in Form 1 at my, at my primary school. And I was sitting next to this kid who was just really irritated. And um, I'm sitting next to this kid and we got given 
pencils, brand new pencils. And they hand them, they sharpened them, and they were super sharp. And the kid next to me was so excited how sharp his pencil was. And I was a little guy, and he sat next to me, and he came, like, just pricking me with his pencil. And, and I was getting irritated. And he just, stop it, stop it. And at a certain point, I lost my temper. Now, this is not my finest moment, I'm just telling you in advance. I lost my head and I grabbed my pencil and I wanted to break him back, but I overdid it. I grabbed my pencil and I went, <laughs> and I stabbed this dude in the shoulder. My pencil didn't prick it, it went in this far. Now, we were two seven year olds in clocks, and I and I can remember this little guy going, <laughs> My pants are not big. I'm shoulder. And I'm standing there thinking, I just stabbed the guy. In that moment, as a seven year old, I was totally convinced he was going to die. Because not only had I stabbed him, but pencils had one inside, a pencil leg, which is not actually a leg. But of course, I thought not only had I stopped him, I had poisoned him. <laughs> anyway, he got sent off to the sanatorium. I was sent out of the class. I was in big trouble. But for the next week, I felt so bad about what I had done. I started sitting in class and I started punishing myself to make up for what, what I'd done to the time. I took my own pencil and I started putting my leg in a certain place to cause myself pain. After about two weeks, there was an open sore on my leg that just kept on doing this, kept on doing this, to the point that one day the teacher came by and said, what are you doing? And I told, I told her what I was doing and she sent me to the sanatorium and I got to that action. Okay. You know, many of us do that. We think that it's our job to punish ourselves for our sins. And sometimes we think we in our souls you recognize maybe in your soul you recognize that sin, <laughs> I'm worthy of death. But we don't have courage. <laughs> so we just give ourselves a little bit. Little, little. And then these basic of condemnation which are open sores in our soul. And we try to punish ourselves, not recognizing that our sin has already been totally paid for at the cross. And, and you see, God is not asking you to prove to Him how sorry you are for uh, your sin. He's just asking you to believe. He just went, just come to me and believe it's okay, it's paid for, get rid of it. Those are two things that will prevent you from receiving the fullness of God's love. And I'm going to speak about one last one. And that's this one. Fear. Fear stops us from becoming rooted and grounded in God's love. I love the scripture that's in 1 John that says, 
Perfect love casts out all fear. But I want to tell you something. Perfect fear casts out all love too. Perfect fear casts out all, uh, uh, all love too. When you are afraid, it's generally in fear that you make all your worst decisions. When you're afraid of financial, the financial future, you make poor financial decisions. When you are afraid in a relationship, that's when you will make poor, uh, 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 poor, uh, poor decisions in those uh, re- uh, relationships. It, you, you'll, often find, you'll often find the worst version of you manifests when you feel threatened. But you know the most amazing thing is you can flip that. If you will step into God's love for you and recognize, you know what? I know, God says to me, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good and not for evil. Just the water I drink. I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good and not for evil. When you recognize His love, you know what? It's, it starts dispelling the fear out of uh, your life. So that when you are attacked by the world, by people, etc. If you can step back into your root system of love and recognize, hey, you might not love me, but God does. You can still then respond with graciousness and love. And so, as we pursue this year, digging into more of the fruit of love, the beginning is being rooted and grounded in His love. So this week, I want to encourage you to take a moment every day just to be with the Lord. Lift your hands up and say, Lord, fill me with your love. I want to know your love. I want to know your love experientially. Even if I can't articulate it, I want to know your love. I want to be filled with your love so that your love can flow through me. If there's anything that's blocking you from receiving love, from the Lord, whether that's sin or condemnation, take that to the cross. Take that to the cross. Christ has paid the full price that you might be filled to the, to the fullness and filled to the full with all the fullness of God. He's paid the full price. Get those things out of the way. Get rid of the little foxes. If there's fear that's preventing you from receiving God's love, Fear of rejection, fear of the future, um, whatever fear it might be. Take that fear to the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to fill you and fill that specific area of your life with His love. Because I believe God wants to take us further and deeper in His power and His presence and His love this year. Amen. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence amongst us. Lord, would you strengthen us? Would you strengthen us, Lord? With supernatural power to grasp how high, how wide, how deep, how long is your love for us. I pray, Lord God, that Jesus Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, Lord. And we might be rooted and grounded in love. 
And that being rooted and grounded in love, we might produce the fruit of the kingdom and live lives that are filled with, characterized by love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Beautiful Life podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing to our channel below. If you would like to keep in contact with us, you can sign up for our newsletter by emailing us at info at noordinarylife.co.za or visit our website. If you have any testimonies, please email us. We'd love to hear them. Until next time.